welcome to the Rise Up Podcast, the podcast all about empowering women's careers, hosted by me, Susan Dwyer. Each week, I share insights with you from women with different backgrounds, experiences, and learnings. We discuss career-defining moments that led them to where they are today, giving you a unique insight into what actually goes on behind the scenes. Get ready for some candid conversations about leadership, entrepreneurship, failure, confidence, and more. This week, I'm joined by the wonderfully talented Anna Daly. Anna is a number of things. First and foremost, she's a mum of three. She is an award-winning TV presenter, national broadcaster, and most recently, founder and entrepreneur of ethical clothing brand, Little Bliss. This conversation was honest, inspiring, and so much fun. I hope you enjoy. What I've said as a 10-year-old, I'll definitely be running a hotel in some shape or form. (laughs) That was my fascination for years. Is it the hosting element that you like? I think I liked the idea of being in charge of this kind of front of house Mm. setup, you know, and then being able to tell my family that there wasn't any rooms available, you know, and they would get a great (laughs) kick out of this, you know. Um, It was like the equivalent of setting up the shop, you know, as a child, you know, taking taking all the tins out of the presses and selling them. Like... And of course I did that as well. But, you know, the hotel reception probably came shortly after the shop. That's so funny, because if I think he made toys, I remember one of the favorite ones that I got was, um, you know, the whole um, like a supermarket sweep kind of checkout thing. Yes. And I was absolutely obsessed. Now it didn't transfer into my older ambitions. But um, yeah, it's funny when you think about those toys and what they what they, what they do meant. Yeah. yeah and so in terms of your career then was 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 did you want to get into tv at all not at all no. no and I, I was never you often hear tv presenters talk about um you know growing up they were like reading the news to their parents rather than setting up the hotel reception yeah you know they were always performing that that wasn't really me like I was not uh, and I, I didn't really have anyone in my family or in my circle who worked on the television. So it's not something that okay. ever registered as a career option for me, if okay. I'm really honest. Okay. In fact, when I was in fourth year doing transition year, the hotel thing was was still a thing. And I was sent, this probably ended my career ambition in the hotel <laughs> hospitality industry because they sent me on work experience to this awful hotel on O'Connell Bridge and I'd say off the back of that stint I went I forget the hotel stuff that's a work experience why did they not send me to the Four Seasons (laughs) (laughs) I remember actually thinking I wanted to be a lawyer and then I went to my dad's solicitor's office for a week and I was like right (laughs) that's definitely off the list (laughs) so it's kind of good to know what you don't want I guess yeah it's a great year to eliminate career Mm. choices that's for sure and so how did you get into the world of tv then eventually so I did um what I would call the equivalence of the art the the equivalent of the arts degree um I did a marketing course after school Uh, I went on to finish it four years in marketing and of course I started looking I went backpacking with my pals and I started looking for marketing jobs Mm -hmm. and I got a kind of a sales stroke marketing role in tv3 and I just loved the environment it was really creative it was fast paced there was so many different types of people there it just felt like a really dynamic place to be okay um but I was very much you know in the corporate side of of tv fascinated by the on-air side but you know very much a marketing person and you know 
rose up the ranks in through sales, marketing, got promoted to marketing manager. So the career trajectory was kind of all working out mm-hmm. and on track. Um, and then there was a in a meeting one day, I was presenting some marketing plan and the executive producer of Ireland AM at the time, Victoria, who's now a good pal of mine, just interrupted me mid-flow and said something along the lines of, have you ever been screen tested for Ireland AM? And I was like, no. And I, I kind of brushed past it very quickly in that really Irish way because I felt like, okay, everyone's looking at me now. And even if I did say yes, which I would probably love to say yes, it just feels really notionsy. Yeah. Like yeah. really like a vain thing to say yes mm-hmm. to. Um, so we brushed past it. And then I was telling my boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, and he has a totally different outlook on life. And I told him, he was like, why would you be so quick to just turn down opportunities like that do you know just like no no that's not for me and I thought oh he's right but it took me weeks and probably months later I went off and I did a broadcasting course by night it was in producing directing presenting I think it still exists in Milltown but this was something with my own time with my own money no one knew about and you were doing it on the side to kind of prepare yourself yeah to, just okay. to see because I didn't want to go back unless I was really serious about it. Okay. So I did that night course and it actually it gave me the confidence to be able to go back to Victoria and say, do you know what? If that offer was on the table, I would love to take it up. And that's what I would say to younger people now. Don't mm. don't just brush past something because you're embarrassed for a split second. Do you know, follow up those opportunities. They don't happen very often. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a really good point. And I think saying yes to things before you feel ready is is often a sign like that's a good thing whereas people yeah. say oh no I don't have the confidence to do that well you don't you're not going to have the confidence until you do it exactly um and so interesting on on the presenting side or in 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 the tv world in general like what does it take to be successful in that line of work or are there any kind of skills that came naturally to you that made you good at that I think you know you're bound to be nervous when you start an on-air career like that Mm. because you know it's not like any other job where no one is watching you your neighbor can't see you on your first day at work you know you you take a television job and your neighbor can you know and your college pals can all your different circles of your life can tune in and watch you being nervous or cringing on the telly but actually that phase doesn't last too long you know especially on a show like Ireland AM I would say it was the most amazing platform for me because you're sent everywhere there's not a lot of time there's not a lot of resources so there's not a lot of planning so it's just reacting 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 you know jumping on last minute flights it really suited my stage in life I didn't have children I had no commitments you know I could I could jump at the drop of a hat Mm. at whatever was happening and very quickly because you're just jumping in and out of jobs covering events you know meeting movie stars uh, and some days are you know more exciting than others let's say Um, actually in that course I did I always remember Mary Kennedy was the the lecturer one night and I remember her saying and I'm not going to get this exactly right but she made the comparison when she was doing Nationwide and her point was whether you're covering the guy who collects butterflies in the glass case i.e. not the most exciting gig in the world and then I think the week after she was behind the scenes with someone like Elton John in the Point Depot before he went on live on his you know, big concert. So they're 
that's the same job, but two totally different days. And her point was, and it always stuck in my head, I just thought it was such a clever piece of advice to pass on. You need to be as delighted with the butterfly guy as you are backstage with whoever, Elton John, Mm. because that's your gig. You know, you show up, you turn up, you smile, you show that excitement, regardless of how excited you are. And say, for example, because I know you've had pretty intimate interviews with a lot of A-list celebrities like Kate Winslet. Was that one of them? Victoria Beckham. Like, is it hard to stick to that rule as in like, especially someone that you really admire, you're not like dying inside or how do you approach those types of interviews? Do you know, I think you realise very quickly that they're just normal people. Do you know, yes, they earn a fortune. Yes, they have all these resources and, you know, teams around them, entourages. And, you know, they're they're perfectly quaffed and glossy Mm. when you get up close and personal with them. But at the end of the day, you know, Kate Winslet still worries whether she's getting the balance right between working and spending time with her kids. Mm. Do you know, like they do still have the same worries as the rest of us you know we haven't gone out on date night in ages you know stuff like that they Mm. still say the same things they still have the same worries and I think you learn that quite quickly that actually you leave the room and go yes she's a superstar but actually she's she's actually quite normal yeah you know forget the bank balance forget the notoriety she has the same worries as the rest of us and I'd say that is correct me if I'm wrong but one of the secrets to being a good interviewer presenter to just treating them like a normal human being and not being phased by their status or their... Yeah, and it's easy to be phased at the start because you walk into the room and they have so many people looking after them and you've been doing your mascara on the tube, you know? <laughs> so yeah, the yeah, contrast yeah. is, you know, your your world's apart, you know, in terms of yeah. how, how pampered they are and how luxurious their life seems. But... The more you do, the more you realise, actually, they worry about things, they're insecure about things, you know. Sometimes they don't want to get photographs done afterwards because they're not feeling their best. That's mm. quite disappointing when you've flown over for a five-minute chat. But, you know, yeah, that's the reality of just being a normal person, I suppose. And also, they really put you at ease because the real A-listers are so used to doing interviews and they're so used to navigating questions that they don't want to answer Mm. that they're not going to be kind of, they're never going to be a stressy interviewee. Yeah. So as a result, everything seems quite relaxed, you know? Who's the favourite? Who's like, was there anyone that you were like, God, I'd love to be friends with that person? Or did you ever do like a really, your favourite interview? Or least favourite, even more interesting. Yeah. I think, well, Kate Winslet is a great example. You know, she even said, I come in and out of Dublin all the time um, to her fashion designer friend and no one even knows about that, you know, because she doesn't make a fuss of it and she's not Mm. on social media. Um, So I did kind of leave her going, okay, I could totally be her pal. (laughs) I could totally (laughs) do drinks with her. I I thought the same of Khloe Kardashian, actually. And before I met her, you know, there was all these stipulations of don't ask this, don't talk about that, don't mention that. Um, to the point where you're left going, well, what is there to chat about, actually, if we're mm. not allowed to mention all these things? But actually, she was so relaxed and delighted that, you know, you tick the boxes early for these people. So she's there in London to promote a collab that she was doing with Lipsy. And I think once she knows you've done that bit, she relaxes because she yeah. feels like she's done her job. So I'm always conscious of getting that done early in the story. 
Because then they're like, okay, she's done the plug. She's mentioned the collab, the reason I'm here. Now I can relax. Now I can relax. And, be and then they start bringing up things. And <laughs> it's always funny in my head. I'm like, they told me not to ask you about this, but now you're talking about <laughs> it. So, so there's my green so light. I, and that's the green light for me. Like once you've brought it up, yeah. I'm going to develop it. That's yeah, my yeah, job, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I read something... Um, Earlier when I was doing my research on you, um, when you were in Ireland AM, you, was it that you pitched for like a weekend version? It didn't yeah. exist before. No. And I, the message that, or the quote that I read, and I'm going to butcher this, so apologies in advance, <laughs> but it was something to the point of, you know, if the opportunity doesn't exist or if the job doesn't exist, create it for yourself. Do you want to, like, because I think that's a really important message for people. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that story? Or yeah, sure. Moment? So I was the reporter uh, on Ireland AM. And actually, when you look back on that, you know, you feel like it's, you know, a much lower position to the anchor. Mm. But actually, when you become anchor, which I went on to do, you look back on the reporter role and you think, wow, the reporter role is actually really exciting. Really? Because you never know where you're going to end up next. Whereas yeah. the anchor is, you know, yes, you're sitting behind a desk and it's, it's, it all gets a bit easier and there's more structure on your week, but it's nowhere near as exciting as the globe trotting, you know, moment to moment stuff that you do as the, as the researchers or the, as the reporter. Mm. So I will say that, um, I was the reporter and every so often I would get to stand in for Sinead Desmond at the time. Um, if she was off, you know, on holidays or sick or whatever. And that gives you a taste of, you know, the bigger job. And any ambitious person, I think, you know, gets a taste of that and wants to climb that ladder naturally. So, of course, I wanted to become anchor. I loved doing her job when she wasn't there. But the reality of it was she was brilliant at her job. Like, she was really brilliant. And I learned a lot from watching her. And she was so dedicated to it. And I realized I'm not going to become anchor while she's here. She's not going anywhere anytime Because she's not going anywhere. Certainly, I didn't think she was going anywhere. So I decided, well, how can I become an anchor? I could pitch for the same show on a Saturday and Sunday because that doesn't exist right now. So that's what I went in and did. They kind of said, look, you know, budgets, Saturday, Sundays, crew issues, um, probably not very feasible. So it took them about a year to... You know, and maybe I just brought up something that they were thinking about anyway. I'm not saying I broke ground here, you know, mm -hmm. suggesting a weekend breakfast show, but there was none in Ireland. It didn't exist. And there was loads in the UK. But Irish people tend to default to local stuff, you mm. know, because it's all more relevant, isn't it? Yeah. So about a year later, I got a call from the head of the news department at the time. And he said, would you, would you come in and have a chat? We want to develop that idea. And that's where... It started as Saturday AM and Sunday AM, and then they merged into Weekend AM, and then Weekend AM took over Fridays. So we became part of kind of the Ireland AM family, but it was a massive success. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I was listening to a podcast with Davina McCall recently, um, with Stephen Bartlett, yes. and she said something similar about how her career in presenting grew. She was like, I'm constantly pitching myself for new things that don't exist. Like she was talking about a Love Island for older people and like she she wanted to present and she was like, now some of these things are coming into real life and I've been rejected from a load of them. But if you don't pitch these ideas, you know, these opportunities will never, they're, they're not going to fall in your lap. That was the, the message. And, you know, that's fascinating to me because, you know, 
Irish presenters, I think, look at the Davinas and the Holly Willoughbys and all that. And we just assume that the jobs actually do fall on their yeah. laps because of who they are and because of the amount of channels and opportunities there are in the UK versus mm. here. You know, mm. like we ultimately have Virgin and RTE in Ireland, you yeah. know. Um, yes, there's loads of other digital opportunities. But if you look at that compared to the opportunities in London and television, it's gigantic. It's Not even landscape. London, ac- across the whole UK and all yeah. of the regional channels. So I actually find that very comforting that mm. Davina McCall has to hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a reminder to us all that it's okay to send off that email going, you know what, I'd love to be considered for X, Y or Z. Yeah, and I very much think, especially when it comes to career, that like, it is a bit of a numbers game. Like the more doors you knock on, yes, the more rejections that you're going to get. But someone's going to say yes. Yeah. You know, that one in 20 or whatever the number may be. Um, and as you've kind of progressed in your career, I'm sure lots of opportunities do come up in different ways. But do you get better at, I suppose, saying yes to the right ones that really kind of align with your values and saying no or have you found it hard to say no to certain opportunities or what's your kind of mindset around that? Um, it's lovely when opportunities come in, first of all, and and when they do in the earlier days, you're just delighted that people want to work with you. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think it's important that, you know, the brand represents the right things for for me. Um so, yeah, I am considered about who I work with. And I think that's that's OK to say that mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time. So I've set up uh, my own brand and I, I have values in that brand in Little Bliss. And actually what I find now is the brands that I work with tend to have those shared values around mm. sustainability. You know, there's a green ethos about them. There's a consciousness about them, mm. you know, um, and, and that feels... That feels much better for me when I'm working with them. And, you know, you'll have a list of jobs that, you know, are part of a contract with a brand you're working with. And you'll end up giving back. You'll you'll end up doubling that when yeah. you buy into a brand and, and what it means. And you mm-hmm. get to know maybe the family behind it and their ethos and how they grew it and the passion behind mm-hmm. it. You know, so, yeah, I, th- I do think you're you're more considered about the brands you work with. And you want to be either a consumer of those brands or, you know, to have a sense of respect for the brand mm-hmm. and want to be a consumer mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And I think the more experience that you get in your career in life, the more you can realize, well, well, what work does align with me and what doesn't. And then you can kind of be, you know, more picky. Because I think at the, well, I know at the beginning of my career, I was like, yes, 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 yes. Trying to prove myself. And it's only now I'm kind of learning to be like saying no. And actually, actually, it's really empowering to say no, even yeah. though it's a good opportunity in some ways. You know, I think tuning into your gut is is something that I'm learning to do a bit better. Um, but talk Agreed. to us about, so you were in Ireland AM for 12 years, presenting for 12 yeah, years, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you decided to leave. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about, well, I suppose maybe why you decided to leave and, and that transition period. And the reason I want to talk about this is I talk to a lot of people every day about reinventing themselves or changing careers or pivoting. And I think especially when you're doing something for 12 years, you know, society likes to kind of put us in boxes. Um, 
But I think it's really important to embrace change in our careers and start new chapters. And it's not an easy thing to do. Mm. Uh, but I'd love to hear like what what that transition was like for you. And how yeah, I think COVID gave us all a bit of a shake, a bit of a kick up the arse as well, to be mm. honest, because lots of things changed during that time. You know, we realized that we could do things differently. Um, you know, I, I did some of my job from home. Um, because we weren't allowed to have that many people in studio. So we had to take turns broadcasting from home. So it all kind of changed. My husband's family business was lost during the early stages of COVID. And that shook things up a bit as well. Mm. Well, a lot. Um, I'd been thinking about developing my own brand for years. But you're busy working on other people's brands and edits with various brands. And, you you know, and, and that keeps you busy and it's it's lovely. But I always wanted to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. That combined with want, wanting to take up opportunities with other companies, broadcasters, production companies. Um, and I wanted some freedom. So uh, I got permission to launch Little Bliss by Virgin um, because I was very much part of a virgin media contract I mean while you were working for virgin yeah okay you were launching that on the side of it. yeah exactly um and I launched it and and it became it kind of grew legs quite quickly so um little bliss was is a, a brand for kind of everyday luxury and and my whole thing about it was that people see me on the television in quite glamorous gear even when you even when they say casual for telly it's never really casual is it do you know what I mean it's very well put together Mm -hmm. um but in the real world I'm the opposite of that you know I have three little boys you know I'm going on the school run I'm kicking a ball around the garden with them um I'm in hoodies and runners and whatever so if I was going to do any kind of a you know fashion collection it had to be ethical and it had to be for the real world Mm -hmm. it had to be for a Tuesday you know and I had spent so much time and effort on dresses that never saw the light of day again for one occasion and they're never worn again. And then on a Tuesday, you're caught on, you know, wherever you are and you meet everyone, you know, and you look like crap because you've grabbed this crappy jumper out of your wardrobe that you're not happy with. So I started to think, do you know what? Like like French women, you know, they they buy this, you know, really good piece of cashmere and they wear it on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it looks so effortless. Effortless. And they wear it over and over again mm. without any, you know, it's it's a much more sustainable ethos. Just buy well, wear it more often, um, pay per wear, cost per wear, whatever the stylist's mm. uh, ethos is. So that was my thinking behind Little Bliss and I launched it. Um, I could never have imagined that the world's CEOs were on Zoom calls and hoodies. The world went casual overnight, and I had this casual collection. So when exactly this was mid pandemic when you launched it? Or yeah, when was it? yeah. No, it was the, it was before the pandemic. Okay, but just before. Just before. okay. Um, so the timing was good. The timing was impeccable, but that was absolute potluck. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. there's no way that I could have anticipated what was about to happen. Mm. Um, and I know they say timing is everything when it comes to business. Yeah. You know, the right product at the right time, mm. and. That's that very much I looked out in that sense, Uh, not that, you know, COVID or, you know, any of the things that came with COVID were positive. Um, No, but you're right. The timing of the business proposition is good timing. Yeah. yeah, And it it worked well from a timing point of view. Um, So it, it happened quite quickly and it took off and 
other opportunities came in and I decided to myself, look, I've launched this brand. It's really working. I love working on it. It could be one in the morning and I'm tapping away, uh, talking to manufacturers or working on new designs or marketing plans or whatever. I really enjoyed it. And it gave me a bit of a kick to think to myself, well, actually, I love TV. I love presenting, but I can do that on a freelance basis. Okay. Work on projects that I want to work on that excite me and also work on a brand that I've started and seems to be working. Okay, and that's that's what you did, essentially. That's what I did, yeah. And, and meanwhile, our family, uh, as I would call it at the time, because Simon and myself launched that show together, the weekend version, uh, and then Laura and Aidan joined us, and, you know, Glenda would have worked on it, Suzanne. We had a family, and to be honest with you, everyone was kind of starting to go different directions for all sorts of reasons. Mm. And... It felt right. If the family were all staying together, I'm not sure it would have been been ready to jump. Do you know what I mean? But it felt certainly right for me. I would have had major FOMO if they were all still there. (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned you had, you'd wanted to set up your brand for a long time. Like, was that a burning desire of yours for years? And how did you go from wanting to do this thing for years to actually biting the bullet, taking the risk and just going for it yeah for years I would have had like little little tear sheets pullouts, logos I would have seen in coffee shops I would have taken pictures of little things it was like a mood board in my head that was kind of scattered all over the place and mm. like bits and bobs in handbags and files and diaries and I suppose with the slowdown of lockdown and no corporate stuff coming in which would have occupied a lot of my time. Okay. You know, emceeing, awards gigs, all of that stuff was gone. Mm. And actually it gave me time to pull all those bits and pieces together. And I just thought to myself, this is a perfect time to create what I've been thinking about for years, but not having the balls to do it either. Mm. Uh, And I think, you know, between my husband's position and our family position, I just thought, why wouldn't I do this, you know? And, f- and try and future-proof myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And was there, in terms of the confidence, w- did you feel confident right off? Or were you just like, feck it, I'm just going to do it and see how it lands? Or I think a bit of both, to be honest with you. Like some days I'd be like, this is amazing. You know, I love it so much. And yeah. then there's other days, especially when it comes up to launch and you've actually announced a date that you're going to launch something. Then you start going, oh, my God, what if it's crap? What if people hate it? What if I'm totally delusional? Yeah. And I think the stuff is nice, but like nobody else will, mm-hmm. you know. So, of course, you start having imposter syndrome. You start doubting yourself. And and definitely there's there's flashes where you're like, oh, my God, maybe I just won't do it. Maybe I'll just cancel the whole thing. Yeah. You know. And what would you like? Because there's so many people that I talk to who, like yourself, have these. Well, most of us have great ideas to set up a business. Yeah. But I don't know the percentage, but a very small percentage of people actually go and do it. What advice would you have to someone who has that desire, but just may not feel ready or confident enough to to do it? Um, I would say register the company. Okay. Because when you register the company and the documents come out, it gets real. And, and it gets exciting because you've decided to commit to a name for this company. So it's not just tear sheets and handbags anymore. Mm. It's actually, you know, there is documentation sitting on your kitchen table now with the name that you've come up with 
And the dream is in those documents, isn't it? Mm. And that's your moment to go, I'm either going to make this happen or I'm not. But I think when those documents land, you've done the job. You've created that company and now you need to keep going. Now you're on the motorway. Uh, yeah, that's a really good, actual practical piece of advice. Yeah, until you until you actually register that company, it's just an idea. Do you know? Mm. I think you need to, if you have an accountant already, you see the nature of my work is, is freelance now. So I have to have an accountant in my life. Um, plus it's far from my strength. Um, but I think once you say it out loud to family, to friends, mm. definitely to, to your accountant, if you have one and you register the company, I think it just starts to be real. And then, real. then you know, there's no harm in feeling a bit of, a bit of pressure. In, mm. Oh, Jesus Christ, there's, there's the documentation, the company is registered. I actually need to make this happen now. Well, I think if we sit inside of our comfort zones, nothing will ever happen. No, no. Really. Um, and so what about, so since you started the business, what's, because, you know, I feel like on social media, we see a lot of highs for businesses. Yeah. Uh, because we've got to be doing that as, as business owners, you know, promoting ourselves and our brands. But what, what has there anything, what has surprised you about entrepreneurship or what's been like a, a challenge along the way that you've kind of been like, oh. I think it comes back to the Davina bit. You know, we all announce wonderful things on social media, don't mm -hmm. we? Whether it's, so I wear two hats, a TV presenter and the owner of Little Bliss, right? Um, and it, it, this applies to both. We announce the wonderful things like delighted to, you know, collaborate with this other beautiful brand or, you know, thrilled to be here at the launch of my blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. And we're all brilliant at that because it's exciting and you're proud of it and you want to share every moment of it. And that's great. And we should mm -hmm. and we should celebrate it and we should celebrate our friends and our circle and, you know anyone who's brave enough to do any of that stuff. But what we don't do is share the, I sent 15 emails off to, you know, production companies this week and I got two responses, you know, and it's when you hear the likes of Davina saying, I'm still hustling for jobs. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important that people like her are coming out and saying that. Like I remember sitting beside Simon Delaney and we'd have lots of downtime. He's a really well-known actor. Everyone in the country knows who he is. And, you know, he shared insights with me into the actor's life. And, you know, I was fascinated with how much rejection mm. actors face, you know, even well-known actors, you know, even the Amy Hubermans, mm. you know, have rejection all the time. And I think that's really important for us to remember that, mm. Do you know, and actors seem to be amazing at taking that rejection and moving on to the next casting, mm. you know, and I think we could, we could all probably take a leaf out of the steeliness of Simon Delaney doing, what does he call them? They're not castings, um, like read throughs in that actor's life and, you know, getting one job in 50. I always think they, they must have to be the most resilient people in the world. Yeah. Or like singers, anyone in that kind of performing world. Because yeah. it's just rejection after rejection. Absolutely. After rejection. Models as well. You know, mm. I, I just think we can we can all take something from it because it's very easy to apply to one thing, get the knockback, feel terrible. Oh my God, I'm useless. I'm never going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think we have to remember that, you know, household names in Ireland are getting knockbacks all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep trucking on. Get the knockbacks because as you said yourself, Susan, it's a numbers game. Yeah, yeah. And often like I'm at the stage now where every time I get rejected, which is often, 
I have learned like not to take it personally and it's not for me like I'd be like okay that's fine that 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 wasn't for me like on to the next thing yeah uh, whereas years ago I used and when to you like, say oh. knockbacks are they are they jobs or people that you're inviting um, in or both like job or opportunities collaborations whatever it may be anything um I've just learned to be like okay like that wasn't meant to be that's you know something yeah. better will come along and yeah. often it does exactly um, but it, it it took time. Like I used to like take things very personally. Yeah. Depressed after a no. Um, but I think that comes with like age or just like growing up, I guess. Um, and so you mentioned your family. You have three boys yes. all under the age of. Uh, James is 11 now. I feel okay. like the oh, three under 10 rolls off the tongue. But anyway, he's 11 now. So he's getting a little bit older. Uh, Ewan is nine and Reese is six. And what's your... What's your kind of mindset around prioritizing family, work, blending the two together? Because I, I think there's two types of people. There's people that have their nine to five and they're totally switched off. And then they switch off as soon as they leave that working world. And then they're in family mode. And then there's other people who tend to be more in the entrepreneurial zone, I think, who love what they do her passion about the, what they do and it's part of who they are so the yeah. two things will kind of blend together what would you be in the second I would imagine uh, the latter <laughs> for for sure for sure and and very happy there actually yeah um because I like the idea of being able to you know bring my my parents to grandparents day at the school at 11 o'clock on a Thursday mm. I like having the freedom of being around for things like that mm. and then if I have to catch up later in the day or when my kids are in bed that's okay you know yeah. and then there's weeks that will be taken up completely with a television project where you're on site for that whole week for 10 hour days mm -hmm. so I never get the balance right to be honest and saying that is quite liberating yeah do you know because some weeks are just all about work some weeks are all about family and some weeks seem to fall into place mm. in some shape or form I just hope across you know, the picture of a, of a year looks balanced, but I certainly don't divide it up perfectly week on week. I don't think anyone does. Like, I think we're constantly sacrificing. I don't have kids, but like, say, for example, there's a school play on. If you're going to that, you're probably sacrificing something else at work and, and vice versa. I don't think it's ever like a, well, not many people I know have that balance no and balance. like listen I have friends I always call them in normal jobs or real jobs where you know they do have structure they do you know finish at five yeah. o'clock and and that's it laptop shut for the weekend um and I can be envious of that as well mm. that structure but they still struggle with getting the balance right too mm. you know so I don't think anyone has it and even people who don't go out of the home to work and are with their children they're at home thinking should I have a job should mm. I have an income you know, so no matter what we're doing, we're yeah. feeling guilty as yeah, women, yeah, yeah. I think. And, and the grass is often greener when you do. Exactly. Tend to look at it or compare yourself to others, I feel. Um, and talk to us. So I, I listened to a couple of interviews with you and you, you where you mentioned. You've done your research, Susan. No, it's very last minute <laughs> as we talked about yesterday. But um, you were talking about your husband and the relationship that you have. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but. I think you said earlier he would have a different mindset in certain ways yeah. and push you and vice mm. versa and I think a lot of successful relationships that I would look at are people who 
push each other to reach each other's goals. Is that something that you help each other to do or, you know, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a different outlook on life um, to me. So I, I suppose, worry about what people think. He doesn't so much. Okay. Um, and that's an innate confidence, you know? Yeah. And funnily enough, if you were to look at us as a couple, you'd probably say, well, she's the confident one and he's kind of quieter. But actually, there's an innate confidence there okay. in him where he would say, well, why would you worry about that? You know, like, of course you you would say yes to that. You know, it's a no brainer. Mm. Um, so I think we're very different people. Um, and hopefully most of the time we kind of complement each other. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's the kind of person who, you know, can't be arsed going to something, but then goes and has a great time and connects with loads of people, okay. you know, um, but has no interest in it initially mm-hmm. you know would prefer and or would you be the one been like i'll just go to the event yeah like and a lot of the time it's just suck it up and go along yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah, the right yeah. thing to do it's usually someone you're supporting or a brand you want to support mm-hmm. or a friend that's usually the reason i turn up to anything these days you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's because you want to support someone behind it yeah 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 and what about your philosophy then with um I guess fulfillment in in all aspects of your life, or or happiness, or or success. Like, what what does success look? Because you're obviously very career driven. You you're following things that you're passionate about. Um, but in terms of like that overall success, what what does that look like for you, or what does that mean to you? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't have. Um you know, you listen to people like, is it Denise Kenny, the head plan? Oh, um, yeah, I love her. She, I love her too. And, you know, I listen to her and I think, I need to do that. I need to do this. Um, I, Like, I'm pretty sure she has a mood board of the things she wants to achieve this year. Mm. Um, But I go back to, you know, interviewing people. And, and I've interviewed a lot of very successful people. And I, I went through a phase of asking them, do you have a five-year plan? Do you have a 10-year plan? Most of them, most of them said... I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Mm. But what they are doing is working hard. You know, they're nice to everyone, not because they think they have to be, just because they are sound people. Mm. You know, yes, of course, there's some raw talent there. There's passion there. But they don't necessarily have all the plans and they don't have, you know, Mm. they're not manifesting their house in the south of France. Do you know what I mean? And neither am I. Yeah. Um, What do I want out of life? I want to be able to sit with my kids and have movie night and pizza. I mean, like I'm... I'm very happy doing simple things. Mm-hmm. I really am. But I don't want to start projects to do them half-assed either. So I want things to be a success. Yeah. Because I suppose most people mm-hmm. don't start things to to just be mediocre. Of course. You know, um, I want to get some kind of balance in my life. And I suppose as you build a brand, you can get more help. Mm. And and that would be a very luxurious position for me to be in. So in a year or two, I would love to think that there's a small team on Little Bliss. You know, so, so where I is, can it, is kind it of just you right now? Are you managing the show? Kind of? Yeah, I'm. I'm running the show, and <laughs> uh, and it's a non-stop show, <laughs> and they run back to back. Um, what I do have is a fulfillment company, and okay. uh, and we're moving into it. Who a does new all facility. the orders? Yeah, yeah, so the orders come in. I obviously see them. Um, but they are, you know, picked, packed, dispatched from a, a new facility actually in Galway from next week onwards. Oh, nice. So that's, 
you know, a really important function given I started this packing them in my attic myself. And actually mm. that was a very important thing to do because you understand the work involved, you know, when you're what you're looking for in a fulfillment company. So, so you can appreciate then when you find the right partner. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you think, so when you went to set up your business, because you often see um, people with big following on social media, influencers, are now becoming entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because it makes complete sense, right? Do you think that helped you get your business up and running? Like, were there customers already there, like, waiting to buy your products? Yeah, and I think people from watching Ireland AM... um, and any other TV I've done since, so Future Island and uh, Hospital Live with RTE last year, all of those things really help because I think people have a trust in you. Mm. You know, this do they feel like they know you? Yeah, I, I think they know that you're not going to develop a product and sell it just to make a profit. Mm. Do you know, I think they know there must be some passion behind this. There will definitely be, you know a strong ethos and a moral compass behind this brand, you know, mm. a consciousness, a mindfulness about who makes it, where it's made. I, I think they would expect that of me because in the shows that I do, particularly in the last year, you know, there is an, there's an honesty. And I think, I hope people trust me off the back of watching those shows. And I think that's the word, I think, trust. Like we all want to buy from people that we trust. And essentially we all do business with people that we like as well. So it's that likability and trust. And what the influencers have is that they chat to camera all the time. I'm not brilliant at that. Mm. Like if the mood takes me, I will. But I don't have any sense of consistency around when I go on on my phone and chat. Mm. Um, But I think the serious influencers do that very well and do it consistently and and that's the same thing they've built up a trust with their followers yeah and it's insane like I think it's all changing so rapidly these influencers or people with big followings like there's a new trend going around on Instagram I don't know if you've seen it but it's like they actually tell, say how much money they're making each month from like whatever businesses that they've set off, set up literally off Instagram. And so they're just showing their journey about this is what I made in January, February, March, April, May. And I, I think the way we work and the new generations coming up, it's it's so interesting to watch because I think that, you know, setting up a business now is a lot different to what it was maybe 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, when I think I studied marketing in college, like, yes, it it will all stand to you. Of course, there's Mm. lessons in it that you carry through the rest of your life without even realizing probably. But, you know, digital marketing didn't exist, Mm. you know, so that's just something that I've learned along the way from working in media, you know, and, and the power of being able to post you know, Facebook initially, then Twitter, Instagram, when you have something coming up on a show to share that, you know, the precursor kind of, you know, make sure you tune in tomorrow for X, Y, or Z. Mm. It's a huge promotional tool, you know, whether it's a TV show or a hoodie, Mm. you know, it's, it's such a helpful tool and it's such a helpful tool for news, for information, for entertainment, you know, we consume it all the time. And I love it. Yeah. And everyone has their own platform now. We don't, yeah. You don't necessarily need to be on TV or whatever it is to to promote yourself or your brand. Um, and in terms of you mentioned asking for help there. Are you good at that? Is that something that comes naturally to you asking other people for help? Um, I think when I think back to having my first baby, um, 
you know, you go through that whole, I can do it, I can do it. No, I'm absolutely fine. Mm. Everything is fine. And you're absolutely not fine um, because you're overwhelmed. And, you know, you don't even know when you're going to have a shower next because, you know, yeah. oh my God, will, will he sleep? Will he not? Will he need a feed? The stressiness of, of that quickly changes when you have baby number two and baby number three, because then you just go, do you know what? Actually, would you come over for half an hour and I'll just jump into the shower? Because you absolutely need that help. Yeah, yeah. And and you're more calm because you've done it before mm-hmm. and you're accepting of the help and you're grateful for it. And I think it's the same in business. You know, you get better at saying, can I send you this? Mm. You know, would be would that be OK? Um, and I also think it's a mature thing that, you know, like you and I will finish this podcast. And whether you have a question for me or I have a question for you, I'd be much ballsier these days about going, Susan, can I grab you for a coffee? Because what you said was really interesting and I'd love to learn more. Yeah. I'm I'm much better at that now than I would have been 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 10 yeah. years ago, I would have been like, oh, God, she's too busy and I'll, you know, it'd be a head melt for her because mm-hmm. she doesn't have time for it. Whereas actually there's ways to ask, you know, mm. and there's ways to give back to people who have helped you as well. And I think when you when you reverse the roles, you're like, how would I feel if someone asked me for help? And you're like, I'd be flattered. I'd love to help that person. Flattered. Love and, sharing. You know, 99.9% people are always delighted to yeah. tell. But I do think, and particularly as women, I think a lot of us can struggle with sometimes making the ask or sending that DM or or, or that email. But I think the more we do it the better, like the more opportunities then will come And also way. you want to pass it on, don't you? Of you course. know, like someone contacted me recently and said, you know, I'm doing a screen test for X. Um, you know, would you have any tips? I was like, where do we start? Sit down there. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I celebrated their win when they landed the gig like it was my own gig. Yeah. You know, I was like, I tutored that person. She went on, she nailed it. You know, it, yeah. it feels really good. And with regards to celebrating wins, it's an interesting one. By the way, she didn't need me at all, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah, a feel yeah. good thing. A hundred percent. Are you good at celebrating your own successes and your own wins? Because personally, I find since I've set up my own business, you don't have anyone there like tapping on the back or recognizing, oh, that was a great month or that was a great quarter. And I know for me, anytime I hit a goal, sometimes I'm just like, all right, on to the next, like, where's the next one? And I forget to, because it's often just me, you forget to celebrate those wins or those milestones. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you struggle with? Or are you quite I, good? I celebrate the wins in financial terms. So in my head, the luxury purchase is justified when something good happens. Uh, okay. And often the, the purchase is so not relative to the win as in completely unrelated you mean as in I'm spending let me give you an example I got my first job in Bank of Ireland and I mean the salary was embarrassingly low (laughs) it was like intern in the marketing department right like but that was a huge win for me because you know you've landed a role in the bank in what you studied marketing jobs were hard to come by at Mm. the time and completely not relative to that as in over the top I went into Brown Thomas and bought myself a pair of Burberry shoes which I still have um the salary was not equivalent did not correlate with that purchase is that the best way to put it you're marking it you're marking (laughs) I am marking it and I'm still able to mark those wins yeah for sure okay (laughs) Uh, that's so funny looking back on your career now are there any kind of 
defining moments that you're like, oh, that was important that that happened because something else came of it or, or any big career defining moments? What, what were they for you? I think launching Little Bliss was a career defining moment for me because uh, I quickly realized that it wasn't just friends and family, you know, buying the product, you mm. know, things sold out. And I remember saying to my husband in, on day one or two, I was like, there's randomers buying my stuff. And he was like, oh my God, they're not randomers, they're customers. <laughs> and I didn't mean it in a negative way at all. I just meant there's people parting with their hard-earned cash mm. for something I created. Like you fully expect your friends and your family to go, ah, you know, we'll throw her bone here, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. But when, you know, people you don't know and don't owe you anything buy your stuff, that's like incredibly overwhelming and mm. rewarding so that that felt really good and I'll never forget that feeling mm. and I think that feeling drives you on to yeah. you know make it bigger and better um and the other moment I think well Ireland AM there's been there's been tons and it's I would describe it as the best kind of foundation for my confidence you know just learning learning the tricks of the trade learning the trade I suppose mm. um Last year I got to do Hospital Live, which was a hugely important show. Um, it was live. It was like a, you know, it is a, a TV event, I suppose. Mm. Um, and it was a totally different thing for me to do. I'm very squeamish as well. Um, so I'm sure viewers would never, well, I hope viewers would never have known that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were moments and flashes where, you know, I had to push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, but it felt like a very important show and it was done with Indie Picks, who are an incredible production company for RTE1. And I was put with the, the co-host, um, Philip Badger-Hayes, who's just incredible, professional, brilliant guy to work with. And the whole thing just felt really, really great to be a part of. Yeah. Um, it's coming back again this year, which is brilliant. And will you be doing it again this year? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you know what? If I faint at some point, as someone said, you're in the right place, it all comes <laughs> live from St. James's You'll Hospital. You'll be looked after. So yeah, there's plenty of experts around to, uh, to help me out. And with live TV, is there an additional skill set required then for that? I think... Future Island was live as well in, in November. Um, there's an excitement that comes with it, you know. I, I suppose it depends on what way you look at it. Some people would say, you know, that's... That's absolutely terrifying. That's terrifying. Um, for me, it's exciting. It feels exciting. And I think that energy of a live production transfers. Well, you hope it does. Yeah. And you hope that the viewer feels that, you know, what's happening in the background and the people talking, they're actually there right now doing that anything can happen anything can go right or wrong I suppose but I think that adds to the energy and the excitement the of a show like that so yeah. I, I love it and I thrive you on thrive it and also from years of doing both pre-records and lives more people mess up in pre-records than they do in really? lives because there's something in our head that says we're live so you've one chance at this and even if you mess up you just keep going you keep going. whereas when you're pre-recording people mess up all the time because their brain is telling them you have the luxury of stopping here so don't worry about it. We'll get it right in the next take. Okay, so you're a bit more, well, it's fine. Yeah. Have you ever had a major like blip moment on live TV? <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had moments where I've lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, I think you learn in the early stages, you're, you're trying to be, you know, the Holly Willoughby's and the Davinas and you're, you're trying to kind of almost you know, replicate what you've seen in their performances on air. Mm. And then quite quickly you realise, actually, I'm not her. 
you know, much as I'd like to be, I'm just me. Yeah. And the more, the more you realize that and embrace who you are and, you know, your nuances, your, you know, little imperfections. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Uh, And it's amazing when you have those honest moments on air, when you get the chance, you know, I always remember going back from my first maternity (sighs) leave and Mark Cagney saying to me, how do you feel today? Now, the, the, you know, the early me would have said, absolutely great, fine, baby's at home, everything's brilliant, you know. But actually, I was obviously more mature coming back after six months off. And I went, you know, I feel really overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, I'm worried about, you know, baby James at home. I was worried about coming back. I was worried about feeling fat. I was yeah. worried about people, you know, liking my replacement more than me. And I could feel him like, going, oh my God, what's she doing? But actually... It was like a moment of madness I had. And from that moment onwards, I just, I was honest about everything on air. It's so People funny. People love it. Yeah. and the, They just appreciate it. And I think when you're vulnerable like that, like, that's how we connect with other human beings. Yeah. You know, because you're like, okay, they're human, like me. But yeah. on that note, um, I had this chat with Dominique um, last week, and we were talking about women returning to work after maternity leave. And there's a study done about it that something like 80% are actually really enthusiastic about going back. And then when they go back within the first day, it drops by like 50% because the realities of, I don't know, separation anxiety or just the overwhelm, like you said. But I think that, that you touched on the important point there, which is be transparent with your manager. Like, I actually don't feel great. Like, I am struggling. Like... I thought I would be whatever or maybe you do feel great whatever it is but I think it is really important to be honest with that person and transparent because then they can support you better in transitioning back into yeah and I think the worst thing you can do is do that I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine yeah and whether that's in real life or on air or in your your own job back in the in the workplace wherever your workplace is you Mm. know you're so much better off to say I'm finding this hard but you know hopefully it'll get Mm. easier or I'll get used to it or I'll get faster or slicker or whatever about the drop-offs and the collecting. And it's a whole new world, you know, you have to get a little person ready, get them somewhere and then get yourself to work. It's the hardest job of all. Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) I think it's a very Irish thing to be like, I'm grand, I'm grand. I'm grand. Actually, I'm not grand. Yeah, I'm dying inside. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so looking forward into 2023 and beyond, um, is there anything that you're working on working on to improve yourself or what are you excited about in general? Um, I'm excited about loads of things, actually. Um, I'm excited about building Little Bliss for sure. Um, it still feels like a hobby to me and that's probably a good thing. Um, my husband has launched Kaleidi, which is a nursery brand. So oh, amazing. Um, with a brilliant team, his, his brother and sister and a small team um, that they would have kept on since mother care. And that's brilliant to watch that grow yeah um and you know obviously i try and support that as much as possible and then i've moved agents to a uk agent an irish girl in the uk, in the UK. Oh, brilliant. um so does that mean you're going to be doing more work in the uk hopefully or? yeah oh, cool. uh, and you know so many more opportunities over there so that's mm. you know part of the strategy i suppose um donal skiing is with uh, Aoife, my agent as well, oh, and Panty good. Bliss, Brendan Courtney, who has been amazing, actually, uh, in terms of advice and all of that really? kind of stuff. So um, I'm a girl amongst the lads in, in her Irish bu- books. Okay. Um, so that's an exciting change as well, you know, mm. and I think you need to change things up 
every so often. I do, I do, I agree. I was actually thinking last year I moved to LA for a couple of months and I I was in I was working from a co-working space and I didn't know anyone, but I got to know everyone in the space. And one thing I noticed was that they were all constantly reinventing themselves. Yeah. Like one guy in particular I made friends with, he started his career as a lawyer, so did the whole training, which took years yes. to qualify. Then he became an actor, like got into this prestigious acting school and started acting. Then he like set up his company five years later. And I think it's important. It's so important to embrace change. I think we can often be, you know, boxed into something. Well, I've studied 10 years to be an accountant, so that's what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But I don't think life is meant to work like that. I think we're always meant to every so often embrace change or start something new or... Um, and it sounds like you're definitely doing that. Yeah, I think you do. You're absolutely right. And and they can teach us a trick or two in terms of pivoting and confidence. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's really good for us to change things up, um, to challenge ourselves. Mm. And the reward that comes from changing things up and it working yeah. is, it just contributes hugely to our confidence, you mm. know. Well, that's where confidence comes from, doesn't yeah. it? It's like something's working. trying things and realizing, oh shit, that actually works. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's part of my life. And it's like, okay, I can do this. Yes, exactly. And say yes to things, you know, because mm. it's it's so easy to go, I, I don't have time to come in here and do this podcast or whatever. Mm. But, you know, it's amazing the other opportunities that will come out of today in terms yeah. of the two of us meeting and helping each other in lots of different ways. A hundred percent. And final question, in terms of who you go to, to support for support or having a network, I know you've mentioned a couple of people but do you have a strong network that you can go to for different things and yeah I've kind of different facets of my life so my mom is you know the person I speak to every day whether it's about kids whether it's about business family anything you yeah. know um my dad as well like he's just been fascinated with with little bliss and the you know the business that it's doing really um yeah and he records the figures and he's just really interested in it and it's lovely you know Mm. um my husband obviously is there as a constant and you know we're sometimes like passing ships in the night um and I ask him you know 100 silly questions a day on business and e-commerce and all that stuff um and then my oldest friends are my Temple Oak friends which is where I grew up oh nice my girlfriends um so you know we don't get to see each other often enough like so many friends but we we do meet up mm. you know regularly you'll enough. always be there and we plan trips yeah, and yeah. that's what we're doing at the moment on our whatsapp group we have a nice. a petty cash that we put money into for for trips smart yeah it is actually because it mm. feels like a free trip then when yeah, it happens yeah, yeah yeah you know and then my family my in-laws my sister-in-law you know they're all hugely important in mm-hmm, my life mm-hmm. and you go to them all for different things for different I suppose, things, don't you? yeah and I think it's a, like no one person can serve every need no. so I think it's important to have those different pockets of people that yeah. can support you in different ways exactly well Anna thank you so much that absolutely flew but I loved our conversation I love everything that you're doing and I can't wait to see what's next thank you Susan pleasure <laughs>